Hello, friends. Hello, 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 friends. A tradition unlike any other. Oh, 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 my goodness. In your life have you seen anything like that? There it is. Adam Scott, a life changer. Mashed potato. Here it, here it, here it, here it comes. This is the 19th Take here in Marsh. Nathan Drudy back with you. Drew, it's a pleasure as always to have your company, my friend. Oh, looking forward to it, KM. Another Monday, as we were just saying, done and dusted, and this is the best part of a Monday by far. Isn't it just bit to get through this evening as always? Uh, we've got a first-time winner anywhere on the LPGA Tour. Alison Corpuz happens to do it at the Women's US Open. Uh, mm. We've got Cam Smith back in the winner's circle the Live Golf London event, the Centurion Club, uh, Sepp Straka, a winner on the PGA Tour, Rasmus Hoygaard, a winner on the DP World Tour. A uh, bit of news about as well. So lots to get through, Drudes, but yes, uh, we should start, uh, as we always generally do, defer to a major on the Monday evening post one of the biggest weekends of the year. Uh, and it was Pebble Beach, a place that we've, we've spoken about actually pretty recently, courtesy of your travels there. On, uh, of course, the honeymoon that played host to the US Women's Open over the weekend. Quite an entertaining uh, couple of days of golf as it always is at Pebble. Uh, and as I said, the the Hawaiian, young Alison Corpus, holds her nerve today. Not just holds her nerve, but really finishes with a wet sail uh, and, and manages to secure her maiden victory on the LPGA Tour, her first major victory, of course, in doing so by three strokes, Struits. Yeah, I mean... I've actually really enjoyed watching this tournament. I think um, having the appreciation for seeing some of the property, you know, not too long ago was uh, served a really purpose, a really good purpose for me. So that was great. But I mean, yeah, I I watched most of yesterday's coverage and the way that Alison Corpus was playing and, and uh, I'm sure we'll touch on Nasa Hatawoka shortly, but just going toe to toe for the best part of, um, the best part of the third round anyway. I know that NASA obviously had an incredible third round, but she was there and she uh, held her nerve today while uh, I guess NASA fell away, which is probably, you'd probably expect it to be the other way around, if anything, Marshy. But um, yeah, a really impressive performance. Three-stroke winner, $2 million in prize money as well. So um, yeah, a, a, a very deserving winner and played the course uh, exceptionally well and consistently across all four days. It really did... Uh, for a large part of it, uh, Druids features some relatively unheralded names, didn't it? Uh, yeah. You know, we we had, I suppose, first and foremost, it was uh, young Anne Donigan, the amateur, who I believe plays out of LSU. Uh, she's Irish uh, and her home club is, in fact, Lehinch Golf Course that you've heard an awful lot about on this podcast. She kind of popped up with a 69 on the first day and she was nearabouts the, uh, the pointy end of the leaderboard. Uh, and then really the name that, probably caught everyone's attention was Bailey Tardy, uh, mm. who's finished the tournament in a tie for fourth, uh, six strokes back at three under, who was there or thereabouts for a lot of the tournament. But to your point, young uh, Alison Corpus, a product of um, USC, so the University of Southern California, Trojans, uh, again, a, a college we've spoken about a lot of late, um, predominantly because it was also the home of Rose Zhang, uh, a name you've heard a lot on this podcast, who also finished in the top 10 herself. But um, you know, Corpus is coming off a top five in the Chevron, uh, the other major this year, uh, you know, very early on in her career. And I think the poise that she showed, particularly on the second nine today to go under par and a few of the holes to really cement the victory when there were a few challenges, not least of which Charlie Hull kind of coming home 
really strongly. So uh, super impressed to see a player of relatively short tenure uh, at the very top level of the women's game show uh, a maturity well beyond her years, Drudes, to to kind of close out one of the biggest tournaments of the year. And in doing so, I believe, become the first American woman since 2016 to win the National Open, which is significant in and of itself. Yeah, it certainly is. And, and to your point, it wasn't one of the big names that we were perhaps expecting that to, to compete one of the uh, the American ladies to uh, get over the line. And, you know, when you put put the names down on paper, I would uh, dare say that Alan Cor- Alison Corpus was probably not on that list. Uh, but she certainly will be going forward. I mean, really I- impressive. I mean, I'm looking at the stats here and I- I'm struggling to pick out anything that really lights up for me. And I mean, 43, uh, 56 fairways hit driving distance is is fine. The putting was probably the one that really stood out. 27 putts per round is, is excellent. Sand saves at a hundred percent across the week. Um, and greens in reg 47 of 72. So it wasn't like, there was any part of her game that was just dominant, um, but the putter was certainly, certainly helping. I mean, across the the week, um, I mean, three bogeys in the first two rounds, and um, I mean, she only had five through the first three, and then added another three today. So it was a little bit of a roller coaster for her, and there looks like there might have been some challenges, as you mentioned. But uh, yeah, she ends up ends up getting it done, even dropping a shot on seventeen as well. So um, when you've got the shots up your sleeve, um, she certainly used it and. Walks away. What? What was it? Three, three shot winner. Anyway, so she's uh, deserving nonetheless. Yeah, nine under par gets it done in the end, which really impressive uh, as well. I think when you consider, look, it was pretty timid. I would suggest through the first probably two rounds, but it really bared its teeth, um, particularly from a wind perspective on on Saturday. So I think you know to come out with nine under par, um, pebble as you well know, having walked it uh, out in the elements. So when the wind is up, it becomes an incredibly challenging golf course. Uh, And one that I think, um, to the USGA's credit, plays really well to the women's game. Uh, And and it's it's not before time. It's well overdue, to be honest, that the women's majors are going to these storied historic golf courses in the US. Mm. Uh, But I think it would be fair to say, as we've seen in recent years through the AT&T event there, uh, Pebble's probably been left a little bit behind by the men's game and, and just the distance generated. But I thought it was a it was a wonderful course um, for the women. You could see the significance of them playing there, what it meant to an awful lot of the field, particularly those that have been in and around the women's game for a long time now. Uh, and then to see a young player really at the beginning of a career who's kind of grown up watching um, these very veterans who appreciate uh, the opportunity to play on Pebble, win there, and, and talk about the significance of winning in a place like that. So, yeah, I thought I thought the way in which she just had a presence of mind as such a young player uh, to hold, you know, hold it together across the four days is really impressive. And um, you know, some really nice symmetry. I don't know if you saw this, but actually went to the same high school as Michelle Wee or Michelle Wee West, um, who of course played her her final tournament of professional golf this weekend. And, and you know, probably some nice symmetry there in the fact that she grew up idolizing Michelle Wee, you know, as a Hawaiian girl, um, went to the same high school, and now she wins her first event, uh, albeit a major, in, in Michelle Wee's last. So just a really, I, I think, so many so many strings you can kind of pull out in the Alison Corpus story across this weekend and, and, and a, a deserving winner, but also a delightful one as well. 
And two really good performances back-to-back, T15 at the Women's PGA as well, which um, I've only just realized and put two and two together. Two majors back-to-back is... um, is quite unusual in terms of a she- in, in terms of scheduling, uh, but T fifteen mm. at the uh, at the women's PGA and and obviously goes out and delivers a really good performance. I touched on uh, before the, just the consistency of the scores 69-71-69. So there wasn't any massive swings. I mean, you look at Charlie Hull had a seventy three in the opening round, sixty six today. Nasa Hartwoka sixty nine seventy four sixty six seventy six. So. You know, there was there were a few roller coasters in there, and ultimately, I think that's what got it done for for Alison Corpus was just the consistency in which uh, she played across the four days. There weren't any massive blowouts. Um, she wasn't suffering big triple quadruple bogeys like most of the field was, and um, ultimately, that's uh, that's got her over the line. I think we need to talk about Charlie Hull, uh, who finishes in uh, ultimately uh, a tie for second, but. As impressive as Sunday at a major as you'll see mm-hmm. um, in the conditions particularly. So she hit 66 today um, to really jettison herself into contention there, at least while Corpus was playing the front nine. You know, she pulled away uh, in her second 90 Corpus, but Hull was really applying some pressure. And I think it's probably the point I was making earlier is probably what makes Corpus's victory even more impressive is, is a player of her relatively young age manages to take that in her stride um, because there was definitely, you know, not least of which via the broadcast, but I'm sure on the ground, the momentum um, and atmosphere building around Hull's round because uh, she, mm. yeah, she she lit the course on fire today, Charlie Hull. Mm. And, and a player that is so immensely talented as well, but um, hasn't really been putting it together of late. Having a look back here, I mean, three cuts um, in a – in her uh, five previous tournaments coming into the to the Women's Open. Um, and, you know, we're going back now to, to January when she was delivering some more consistent performances. But the putter was really the thing that stood out. I mean, she had a, a pretty rough um, second round. She finished three over on the back nine and, and got around in even par, but uh, 29 putts. And it just was, as we always say, the abacus. Not everything was going to one side for, for Charlie. There was one thing that was... Um, was letting her down each round. I mean, you look at her green in regulations, 39 of 72 across the week. I mean, it's really, really poor. Um, and today, 13 of 18 and puts it together with the putting. Um, and, and all of a sudden, she's shooting a really good score as well as 12 of 14 fairways hits. So, um, yeah, she'll be... I, I think she'll be obviously pleased that she finished as well as she did and really flew home. But uh, there's no doubt that someone of her ilk will be immensely disappointed with the with what she put out in the first couple of days anyway. Just never seemed to get any momentum going. It was a great moment. Um, I don't know if you, you picked up on the, uh, the the audio from her 72nd hole uh, today. So she's obviously, uh, by that stage, she probably knew it was out of reach. Like she, she'd really, as I said, put herself in a contention through her front nine um, but then Corpus was putting a bit of a round together, and I think she was three shots back beginning the the 18th hole, the 72nd of her tournament, and she really hit the, hits the tee shot to the one place you can't hit it on the 18th at Pebble, and that's you know anywhere within 10-foot vicinity of the tree. Um, in fact, she was, she was about four foot from the base of the tree uh, in the middle of the 18th fairway there, and it was a great line. And I don't know if you picked up on this, but she's, you know, the camera kind of, the, the the commentators had the presence of mind to stop talking 
and and the boom mic was probably turned up uh, to 12. <laughs> I'd suggest to pick this up, but the conversation with the caddy, uh, she, she said something to the effect of, uh, as the old saying goes, shy kids don't get the sweets. So it's to- we need to go for it here, yeah. and I-, I just thought that was brilliant. You know, like obviously, you've got uh, probably not a great deal of pressure. You're three strokes off the lead, but mm-hmm. there'd be a temptation maybe for some people to say, "Well, you know, anything can happen for Corpus in the next six or seven holes. Maybe I just bunt it out and 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 save myself a par here." But no, she said stuff it. She pulled the fairway wood, and it was a pretty good shot. To be fair, she ends up in the the bunker to the left of. Um, uh, to the left of the green on, on 18 there. But it was just a great moment. I think really encapsulates not only uh, her round today, but the the manner in which she generally plays her golf. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think there's no doubt that she's certainly been around for long enough on the tour that, that she's um, well known, but she's she's got a big future ahead of her as Charlie Hull. There's, there's no doubt she's going to be, she's going to continue to win. She's going to continue to compete. And um, yeah, I think she's, She's great for the game in terms of what she brings personality-wise. You know, she, she dishes up <laughs> those quotes and she dis, dishes up a bit of personality, which is what we love. So, um, yeah, big big fan of what she brings to the uh, brings to the game. I, I don't know. I don't know about uh, what you think about this, but I was kind of thinking about this afternoon, and I thought it was timely that she. And I'm I'm running with this analogy. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm kind of building the plane as we fly it, Drew. So bear with me here. But I thought it was timely that she played the way she did this morning because she's obviously British. She reminds me a bit, um, and only because the ashes are in front of my face at the moment, but reminds me a bit of um, Harry Brook, who ended up having um, quite the innings last night. And when I was convinced he wouldn't get past single figures based on his previous form yeah. in this series, and, and he had quite innings, but just a... a, a a hundred percent momentum player and confidence yeah. player. Like Charlie Howell had a great start to um, her round today, and it was like the snowball rolling down the hill. Um, right. And and I think that to the manner in which you know I draw the analogy, that's what that's the way Brooke bats. It's unapologetic. This is my style, and I don't necessarily um, adapt to suit the moment or the platform or the stage. This is how I play, and it will it will work. Some of the time, and it won't work others, but that's kind of hull on the 18th. It's like I'm not going to compromise my style just because the moment might ask me to do so. Bugger it. I'm, I'm going to, you know, shoot for the stars. So, yeah, I, I, she's she's incredibly entertaining to watch play golf. Mm. Um, there's there's nothing um, vanilla ice cream about Charlie Hull. She's, no. she, you know, she brings uh, brings a bit of jazz. So it's good to see. Um, I know you'll probably want to go to NASA Hatsuoka because I'm looking at leaderboard here i'm seeing a lot of rounds in the 60s today from people in the top 10 and she stands out uh, as a player who was uh, there certainly well within contention probably to be fair given the players around her after 54 holes the player that you expected to emerge mm-hmm. victorious and she goes out and has a 76 on yeah. uh, on sunday yeah well 54 hole leader and that third round was exceptional as i said caught caught a lot of that broadcast and just the way that she plots her way around the golf course is exceptional. Um, yeah, it's very, very, very impressive to go bogey-free uh, in the third round of a major when the conditions were starting to uh, whip around a little bit. The wind was certainly uh, wreaking havoc with a few players. And then, yeah, it's just truly a wheels falling off slash vomiting all over yourself situation, as we say, um, to to with the tournament on the line at the turn – 
um, go four over through a six hole stretch and end up um, shooting four over on the back nine and ultimately throwing the tournament away to finish T four. Um, yeah, I think is is obviously pretty disappointing. Thirty three putts today, and and that's the uh, that's the story of it because the rest of the numbers were actually pretty good. So yeah, pretty disappointing from Nasahat to Woker. A good fight back. Um, you know, at at times to just maybe stop some of the bleeding after the first bogey, you know, she managed to make a par and then get a birdie on the board, but um, yeah, just couldn't, couldn't uh, stop the downhill slide at the uh, come holes 12 through 17 today. Uh, the only other name I probably want to pick out of the top 10 before we have a look at the Australians who are neatly grouped together, at least three of them, which makes our life easy in a moment. But uh, just just want to pluck out Rose Zhang uh, there at T9. Mm. Uh, two players at T9, one over. Obviously, she's 10 strokes back, so not overly relevant as it relates to uh, the tournament and winning. But just, just pointing out that she's had three starts as a professional. Two of them have been majors. and uh, She's won a tournament and had two top 10s. Um, to be to begin her career, so all of the hype around Rojane coming out of college, um, a little of which we touched on just a few weeks ago upon her turning professional, uh, I think is warranted based on what we've seen early doors, and yeah, that's a that's a stock that will only continue to rise and one worth keeping an eye on if if you're a fan of the game because she she hits a beautiful ball. It's a pleasure to watch. She does, and as you mentioned before, a bit of a. Almost a bit of a home game, only an hour and a half down the road from Stanford, where she uh, well, obviously course record. Those, well, yeah, yeah holds man. the course record with a sixty-three. So. <laughs> so an hour and a half down the road uh, from Stanford, the Cardinal there, where she was. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll go down as one of the great Stanford athletes, um, particularly Stanford golfers. But we'll go down as one of the great Stanford uh, Stanford athletes. They're the Cardinal, the Aussies, Marshy, Hannah Green, and Grace Kim and Minji Lee, all T thirteen, which is convenient for us. Certainly so. So I look at this and I'll probably go the inverse because Minji enters the tournament uh, as the defending champion. Yeah. And look, she's relatively consistent, um, you know, par one over par uh, on the first couple of days, which I think from memory, particularly the one over after 36 holes, certainly had her inside the top 10 going into the weekend. Um, and she finished... Uh, with an eagle, I believe, on 17 or 18 on, on that second round. So she went into the weekend with a bit of momentum and just never really got firing. Um, even round uh, 72 on Saturday, and then she's three over 75 today. So mm. that's uh, – yeah, it's tough for Minji. I mean, I think we kind of said similar her performance out of the back of um, the PGA two weeks ago as well, that she, you know, put herself there or thereabouts and – kind of fell out the back door. So uh, it's a victim of her own incredibly high standards, but I'm sure she'll be disappointed not to have given it a more solid shake in her title defence. Yeah, well, T13, and this is where leaderboards can be a little deceiving, T13, nearly a top 10 finish at a major, but 13 shots off mm. lead, right? So so a long, long way back, um, unfortunately, for Minji Lee. And yeah, there was a... A flutter there, I thought, for a minute, but uh, yeah, not not to be for Min Lee, uh, Min Min G, and she'll be very, very disappointed with the way that uh, she played and and defended her title more more importantly. But um, how do you assess Anna Green and and Grace Kim? Because I almost feel like these are two quite similar 
ones in in a way. Uh, look, I, similar, I sense in probably a bit of the inconsistency. Like I'm looking at Hannah Green's four rounds here: uh, four over, one under, four over, three under. Yeah, that's <laughs> that's weird to yeah. be honest. Um, and I look at it a bit differently. Like I look at Grace here; she's two over, four over, one under, one under. So she's finished. Uh, you know, more consistently, particularly moving day, her third round, and she's relatively young in her major career. Don't say it to be critical of Hannah. I, I just kind of look at that and think it's a missed opportunity again. Um, you know, 71-69 rounds two and four has a right in the mix. To have, you know, eight over through the other 36 holes, it's just not going to get the job done. And, and I know, like we spoke about, the conditions were certainly difficult. You know, you look at that 76 on the third round. Um, it's probably reflective of of what she was presented with from a conditions perspective. But, yeah, I, I, similar in score, I, I, maybe I view them through a different prism, um, virtually solely based on, you know, their relative careers to date and what I expect uh, from them. I don't know how you view that. Yeah, I think I'm viewing it probably, I, I see both of them as, decent results because Hannah's been Hannah's form hasn't been great um mm. you know last three tournaments cut t50 t68 so I probably view it as a little bit more of a um uh probably a little bit more positively maybe but um yeah just the, the third round was only two over on the 12th hole of the third round uh and then fell to seven over by the end of mm. the round bogey bogey birdie bogey bogey double on 18 to finish and then fought back really well today but weirdly i was just looking at scorecards here from the uh the women the u.s women's open and the uh women's pga championship so her scorecard from this event plus four minus one plus four minus three from the women's pga plus four even plus four even so first and third rounds, Jesus. not uh, not not going particularly well for Hannah. And and if you extrapolate that one one event further, uh, that third round was uh, two over again. So in her last three third rounds, if anyone's following me here, she's ten over par, um, which is which is rough. Um, and in her last three first rounds, she's uh, she's seven over. So yeah. It's um, it's it's tough at the minute. So that's why I kind of view where she finished as as maybe a little bit more of a success. And uh, look, you know, Grace Kim, as you said, very early in her career, she's going to be a, a superstar who will continue to uh, bob up at these tournaments. Putted really well today. Twenty six parts. Um, middle couple of rounds weren't uh, weren't her best, as I think would probably reflected in her scorecard with a seventy six on the second round. Km. Mm. Yeah, look, I think it's uh, obviously we know that Hannah's been in a bit of a rut. I don't think that's a secret. Mm. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's hard. I think when you when when it's very clear what you're capable of, and I, I mean, I cannot imagine how excruciatingly frustrating it must be to be Hannah Green standing over the ball, knowing what you're capable of. Yeah, and when we all just want her to be playing the best golf because that's what we find entertaining, and that's what we get in and behind but yeah it's 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 frustrating to watch her play 
uh, the way she does at times. Um, look, I think we're getting closer, certainly. Um, and we're probably being awfully harsh. T13 and a major is certainly by no stretch of the imagination something to be sneezed at. I just think as a, it's very similar with Minji Lee. It's just what we expect. It's, it's mm. the high standards that we have um, for those two players in particular from the women's side of the game in Australia that we want to see them, you know, yeah, top five as opposed to top 15. Yes. Who else um, you got? Anyone else? Well, I just want to yeah, I just want to skip down. So uh T thirty three, both Gabby Ruffles and will and Lydia Coe. Lydia, I mean obviously Lydia Coe's a Kiwi, but we like talking about Lydia because she's a uh, fantastic uh, member of the women's game and and you know, similar to Russell Crowe, she's Australia adjacent. So mm-hmm. we'll, we'll talk about Lydia there. Probably won't be one of the most surprising results, to be honest, given what we um have seen from her in the last 18 months to finish T33 and a mile off, to be honest, she's eight over. But Gabby Ruffles, um, save for the bookends, she's she's open with a 78 and closed with a 77. She looked really good um, through <laughs> rounds two and three. Mm. Uh, but, you know, was she there? She's uh, 11 over through the other rounds, <laughs> the other two mm. rounds. So that's, that's tough for Gabby and T33. Uh, and then just the other Aussies who were in – uh, the field. So worth mentioning those. Um, you've got uh, Maddie Tolchard, uh, so Madison Hinson Tolchard, the amateur. She missed the cut. And then uh, it's just popped out at me before as I was scrolling down. Uh, Janeth Wong. Yes, I was going to call it out. Playing under uh, the Malaysian flag yes. for this tournament. She's obviously a very impressive amateur that plays out in Melbourne. Uh, down there at the Sandbelt. Uh, she also missed the cut. Um, She was plus nine Mm. through her first two rounds, as I said, representing Malaysia for the purposes of this tournament as well. So uh, that's probably it, Drudes. Jin Young Ko missing the cut is Mm. interesting. Yeah, (laughs) there are a couple of big names to miss the cut. Jin Young Ko was one and a Nordquist. Mm. Um, Danielle Danielle Kang, Megan Kang, Mm. Atiyah Titicul, Dagstrom. Uh, Janeth Wong, as you mentioned, over at Pepperdine University on the Californian coast as well. So she's, mm-hmm. um, you know, well, Jennifer Cupcho missed the cut, Lexi Thompson. I mean, there were some big names. Um, the one I do just want to call out, and I don't know the actual story behind this, but if you scroll to the very, very bottom of the list, there's a name um, that I'm probably going to butcher here, Vongta Vlap uh, from nah. Thailand. Nah. Nata Krita Vongta Vlap. Yep. Vonta Vongta Vlap. Yep. DQ'd. DQ'd five holes in because her <laughs> caddy whipped out a rangefinder and <laughs> got sense. DQ'd. So I just wanted to yeah. call that out. I mean, we shouldn't make fun, but that is quite humorous to me. So anyway, that's the line under the US Women's Open for me. Yeah. Uh, just two brief things from me as it relates to the US Open. Bit of a trend emerging. So... Uh, did see this stat today. I suppose you call it the last three years because there are, uh, you know, five majors for women. So the better part of the last three years, uh, I think it's just under 50%. So six of the last 13 major champions on the women's side have been first-time winners, period. Not first-time major winners. Literally the first time they've won on the LPGA Tour uh, has doubled as you know that major victory. So there's a little bit of a trend emerging there in the sense of uh, the women's game, and I think it's probably not a secret. Like it's something we've been incredibly aware of, but it is literally wide open. 
Like this is not, um, you know, Wyndham Clark, if I draw the example, was a surprise winner, mm-hmm. I would suggest. But he had won previously and he'd been trending. Yeah. Right. He'd been trending up in the right direction in the kind of particularly eight to 10 weeks leading into his victory uh, at LACC. The women's game truly like in a way with a life-changing victory. Mm. It's uh, it's quite remarkable, really, when you look at it. Yeah. Oh, totally. I think there's – yeah, it, it, and it's so exciting. It's so exciting, I think, just broadly, mm. that there are so many chances coming into tournaments and um, there are players bobbing up and winning big tournaments that we – haven't heard of um with all due respect and that's great because we we learn about new players and and hopefully they're there for a long time so uh yeah exciting time in terms of the women's game um as we continually bang on about on this show and then the only other thing i want to mention is is kind of uh future focus so i mentioned the fact that uh, we're well overdue that the women's majors goes to courses like pebble beach so just taking a look at the rotor for upcoming U.S. Women's Opens. Next year, we go to Lancaster, 2025, Erin Hills, 2026, Riviera, 2027, Inverness, 2028, Oakmont, 2029, Pinehurst, Interlaken, Oakland Hills, LA Country Club, Marion's in there, Pebbles back there in 2035. There's some serious courses coming up uh, for the U.S. Women's Open in the next decade, uh, as they well deserve. So just thought it's worth calling that out, that uh, if you enjoyed as you should have, I, I'd, I'd struggle to see how you didn't enjoy watching that golf this weekend. There's there's plenty more of it to come. Yeah, it's sick. They, they have some great courses on there. I saw LACCs on there at some point, like in the mid 2032. Yeah, it is. Nah, I'm not yeah. looking forward to that one. I don't think. I'm not sure. I'm not certain on that one. <laughs> not certain on that one. We'll get it pre-Olympics. It might, might be a little for. It might be a little forward forecast to who's in form. Who, I mean, Maybe. who knows what golf in the Olympics looks like uh, by 2032? Mm. Uh, I think it's slated for Royal Queensland. Here mm. for, and and whether it's teams, whether it's what it currently is, who knows? Uh, yeah. But yeah, little could be a little forecast there. LACC, the Women's US Open ahead of the uh, the Olympic and Paralympic Games in Brisbane. Um, Drudes, let's go to London, another yeah. Olympic city, uh, one of the great Olympics, twenty twelve. Uh, London this week hosted the Live Golf London event at the Centurion Club, where Cameron Smith returned to the winners circle for the first time since he won the Australian PGA. Last yeah. uh, last November, Drew. So, Smithy wins the individual event uh, by one stroke. Thank Christ over Pat Reid, uh, courtesy of an eight under in the first round. Uh, diminishing returns there from there forward. Uh, four under, three under in the third round, but he he gets the job done by one uh, at fifteen under. Tie for second, Patrick Reid and Mark Leishman. So a good weekend for Ripper GC, although they fell one stroke short of the team victory. Uh, I think that was actually courtesy of a Cam Smith bogey on the on the fifty fourth hole. Can't say the seventy second hole. Um, on the fifty fourth hole. So uh, he, to his to his enduring credit, uh, as he often does, literally he said, um, you know, he hasn't won in the better part of a year. And the first thing he said was, oh, "I got mixed emotions because it would have been great to get over the line in the the team event." So mm. good to see him back, Drudes, in the type of form uh, we want to see. Mm. Two weeks out from him defending his title. Of course, the the reigning Open champion. Well, that's it. I think you know it's the the form guide now for uh, for Cam moving into 
defending his title, as you said, starting to trend upwards, which is really nice. And and even for someone like Mark Leishman, who we've said for many years um, has is probably best suited to winning an Open Championship if he was going to win a major. Of course, he got close back in, I think it was 2015, I think we said. Um, but yeah, th- that's great to see two Aussies on the podium there, um, really just sandwiching old Patrick Reed in the middle, um, <laughs> the uh, thorn, thorn between two roses uh, to inverse the uh, the saying that goes. Um, interesting, I guess, this week, you know, a real talking point that came out of Live Golf was the Brooks Kepka and, and Matt Wolf piece as well. And I know, I'm sure you would have seen this, but basically Brooks called Matt Wolf a waste of talent, essentially, and he was on his team and... That he'd given up on him, I think, yes, were the words. Yes, used. and yeah. Matt, Matt Wolf kind of bit back today that I saw and said, you know, that it was really disappointing to have his leader speak like that. So, yeah, I did. I did. I, I must admit, I didn't really love the comments from Brooks. Um, of course, you know, that's been quite well documented that Matt Wolf has struggled with some mental health issues. So I hope that that's um, not a swipe at any of that sort of stuff. But uh, yeah, it was just another talking point to come out of. The world of live golf this week, Marshy. I'll 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 go a little harder and say I thought it was incredibly disappointing, mm-hmm. uh, and 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 to be honest, pretty fucking average. Mm. Um, every time I want to believe that he isn't exactly who I think he is, he goes and does something uh, that only reinforces what I think of him. Mm-hmm. Phenomenally talented golfer, the best uh, major player. Of the last fifteen years, undoubtedly, but just a just a shit bloke. Honestly, like I think for, for the reasons you said, like Matt Wolf's challenges with mental health have been incredibly well documented in the past year, in particular, uh, probably in the couple of months leading into his decision to leave um, the PGA Tour and go and play with Liv. And then I think it's probably been reflected in his results that he's not. Um, playing with a level of confidence in himself, not only as a player, maybe as a person. And that's that's the the nature of mental health. Mm-hmm. I think it's impossible to separate, irrespective of whether and and the optimist in me would, would absolutely like to think it wasn't directed at that. Um it's impossible to separate when you know full well what he's working through. Mm. Uh, and I thought it was it was almost inexcusable in the context of how how overt Brooks was in the full swing documentary to talk through how much he was struggling mm. and then to get up at the Masters where he played incredibly well and then to follow it up at the PGA where he ultimately uh, won the tournament Um. Like he he kept talking about I've I've been in a bad place. Like none of you know how bad it's been. Mm. I've had to work my way back. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, he's been there, yeah, and he doesn't have the presence of mind, yeah, to, <laughs> to like to yeah. not throw the guy a bone. Like yeah. he doesn't have to comment about it publicly. He literally doesn't have to address the question. Well, there's so, tact- I, tactful I, ways of saying it, right? Like you, you know, Matt's been really disappointing. We know that 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 he's obviously disappointed in the way that he's playing. Like you don't have to say that he's a waste of talent. 
Yeah, I thought it was pretty rough. I thought it was shit house, to be honest. And and I know people will come from the hills and talk about my anti live bias, my anti Brooks bias. It's got nothing <laughs> to do with that. It's like just there's being a good human and not and yeah. he more than once has proven that he's not great. So I agree. Yeah, I thought it was I thought it was shit. Um, do you want to say though? It's 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 good to see. I mean, great to see Leash as well. Like that's as good as we've seen Leash play in a long time. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and I think that bodes well. We love Cam and we love Leash at Open Championships. We've said that for probably the last four years, to be honest. Just the the way that both of their games shape for Lynx Golf. Uh, and I think that you know we we kind of said similar. Cam had a good finish leading into the uh, the PGA Championship this year. Um, it's good to see. Like I, I want him to be competitive. That's all. Ultimately, in his title defence, I really want to see him go there and be competitive. Um, but so it's always hard to get a gauge. But you know, because obviously he hasn't necessarily been eligible for any of them. But I, I don't necessarily think Taylor Gooch would have turned up at majors and played the lights out, despite winning three tournaments this year and live golf. So I'm always a little hesitant to invest too much in those results. But never begrudge Smithy for picking up a $4 million paycheck and playing himself into confidence and into form a fortnight out from heading to Liverpool. Yeah. So it's good to Fingers say. Crossed. Fingers crossed for the leash. Um, probably given we were in London, just a good quick uh, jump over to mainland Europe uh, for a quick review of the DP World Tour event. This is this is a great this is a great event. It's the Maiden Himalayan event. Uh, Rasmus Hoygaard completes a, a fairy tale week to be a, a winner in his home country, so the Dane gets the job done. Um, it's but as I said, just a ripping tournament. We've got great atmosphere. We've got players walking through a beer tent to get to one of the tees. It's it's golf. I think imagined for a modern audience. Not mm-hmm. every stop works like that. Uh, on the European tour and shit, you know, you don't get that in parts of Kenya that we get to. It's it's different. It's a it's a menu that serves all the European tour. But I think one event like that a year um, is excellent and and obviously a fairy tale finish for for Asmus Hoygaard to get the job done at home, as I said. Yeah, it, uh, two really good weeks on the uh, on the DP World Tour coming up, Marshy. This event, and then we go to the mm. Scottish Open this week at North Berwick as well. So that's going to be. Uh, fantastic. Obviously, that's co-sanctioned with the uh, PGA Tour as well. But yeah, for the uh, for Rasmus Horgard to to get it done um, in the home country at a very very cool uh, event with two just exceptional rounds over the uh, over the weekend, sixty five, sixty four. Um, yeah, just impressive, impressive golf and uh, a very good field as well assembled. Um, heading into what is, um, I guess. A competitive time of uh, European golf now that we've got, uh, as I mentioned, Scottish Open and the Irish Opens around the corner, and of course the Open Championship and the um, the Ryder Cup is also. So it's all happening in European golf, and uh, Rasmus Horgard continues to put his best foot forward, um, uh, particularly with the Ryder Cup around the corner. So uh, just exciting. Always good to see a hometown hero win as well, which is great. One name that pops out to me here in the top five is Robert McIntyre. I haven't seen a great deal from Big Shot Bob of late. Yeah. He's been in pretty pretty poor form to the extent at which he's certainly no guarantee. In fact, he's probably on the outer of the Ryder Cup team, which would have been remarkable to think twelve months ago. Uh, he's had a he's had a 
T4 finish here at 11 under, so two strokes back. His only round over par uh, was, in fact, the final round, one mm. over par 71. But that bodes well for him uh, rounding into his National Open. As you say, the Scottish Open coming up this week at North Berwick, and he's as good a player on links as as, as anyone else is uh, Robert McIntyre. So it be interesting to see how he kind of jettisons this form into heading home. Um, obviously carries the weight of expectation going to play in his home national open, but then more so into the open championship as well. So good to see him back in form. And then obviously Mika, want to call out Mika, um, had a 62 mm. in the third round um, and he almost did. aced as well uh, this weekend. So <laughs> big fella can get on a heater. Can really Jesse Mendoza can can Mika can. and 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 that's great to see. I know he's got an exciting couple of weeks coming up. Hopefully, we'll get a chance to speak to him um, ahead of the Open Championship in a fortnight's time. But he is playing good golf at the right time in the context of of what he's got on the calendar coming up, Druids. Yes, totally agree. He is he's playing very nicely and uh, leading into the Open Championship. I think you know that's really is. His grand final at the minute. He's uh, all roads lead to um, Royal Liverpool there for for Mika, which is going to be just an incredible experience first and foremost. But B, um, hopefully, puts his best foot forward and gets to the weekend and um, you know can can play four rounds um, at a major championship will be massive. Uh, other Aussies in the field, Marshy. I think it was Scrivener Scriv- all the way Scriv- down the bottom. And Blake Windred, uh, yeah. both both of whom missed the cut. I, I will just mention, uh, I saw on Instagram earlier today, uh, mm. Blake Windred posted a message. Yes. He's coming home for a few weeks. Uh, I, I, I don't want to oversimplify the message, so I'd urge people to go and read it. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he essentially put his hand up and said he's obviously not been playing the way that he wants to and, and there's probably been some challenges that he's been dealing, you know, both with his game and off the course as well. So kind of heading home um, for a period of time to probably reset. Um and you know we wish him all the well in that process. Yep. Uh, obviously, been a guest on this podcast. He's a terrific young fella and and a great golfer. And you know we wish him well because we want to see him back to his best. So um, yeah, that will be uh, an explanation for why you may not see. Obviously, we're used to seeing Blake's name on DP World Tour cards. Uh, so you know that won't be the case for the next few weeks. He comes home for a break, and yeah, we uh we wish him all the very best and hope to see him back. You know where we know he belongs um you know in in the months to come um i do just want to mention as you say this will be the next fortnight so co-sanctioned pga tour dp world tour event at north berwick the scottish open will be a shit hot field mm-hmm. i i want to i want to plain speak that because people should not miss the opportunity uh particularly with no ashes cricket this weekend um we've got a, a week off before we head to old trafford for the fourth test so with no ashes cricket and the rounds playing um particularly on your side of the country, a decidedly friendly time of the evening, mm. tune in. North Berwick's an excellent course. It'll be one of the strongest fields of the year as people get over to the UK to prepare themselves from a Lynx golf perspective. Uh, I'm very, very excited about the Scottish Open this weekend. Yeah, no, it will be great. And uh, and a great course to boot as well, which is, um, mm. yeah, if you've not seen North Berwick before, you'll you'll thoroughly enjoy it. Uh, briefly, Drew, Sepp Straka, a winner. TPC Deer run, the John Deere Classic. One of my favorite tournaments of the year, purely from a uh, branding perspective. Mm-hmm. Not many uh, 
major sponsors of events on the PGA Tour do it as well as John Deere in terms of getting the all the kit and the hardware down onto the course and even down to little details like the little tractors, the tee box markers. And John Deere do a great job. Uh, obviously, no free ads. So we're, I'm not sure what they could do for us, but we're open to the conversation. Um, your backyard probably do maybe a little ride on or something. That would You'd be great. Say no to that. Of course, <laughs> I'd take it. Whatever you've got. Uh, Exactly right. Sepp Straka, though, uh, a two-stroke winner, uh, courtesy of nine under in the fourth round. And the reason I call that out, I don't know if you saw this. Mm. I, I, I won't lie. It was pretty low on my priority list, uh, the the John Deere Classic this weekend, as it relates to all the other golf that was going on. So I probably wasn't pegging Sepp Straka's round. He's, he's, you know, he's, this is not his first win. He's a multiple winner on the PGA Tour. Um, but I didn't have my eyes on him in particular because I didn't have my eyes on much of this tournament. So how's this? Uh, he was T133 after round one, T29 after round two, T14 after round three, and wins the tournament today. It's a hell That's, of a run. Um, yeah, I'm not going to go out and say it's 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 as good as we've ever seen because I've no idea, but I do know that it's impressive, mm. um, incredibly impressive to see him jump. So, yes, that's uh, that's Sepp Straka. In terms of the Aussies, Drews in the field, Aaron Badley, the best of them. Uh, he finished in a tie for 31. Jeff Ogilvy had a run around, which is good to see. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Jeffrey still getting around, T42. Harrison Endicott uh, and his... Maiden season on the PGA Tour um, was an outright 66th. And then just looking through the Greg Chalmers, I think, was in the field. And Cameron Percy as well. Um, both missed the cut for the weekend. So mm. that's the Aussies on the PGA Tour. That pretty much does us, Drew. There's a bit of news floating around. Uh, since we last spoke, Jay Monaghan um, has confirmed that he'll be returning to the role of PGA Tour commissioner. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's good news. He's obviously overcome uh, the health challenges that forced him to take some time away from the game. So I believe he resumes a week from today. Okay. Uh, so the mon- the Monday of uh, major week. So the Monday of British Open week, uh, okay. he he resumes the role. Um, not that I want to be cynical or suggest otherwise, but it does seem interesting that he resumes next Monday when I do believe the US Senate investigation hearings are this week. So that's uh, that's timing. Uh, and just on Doctor's that front, orders. obviously, um, got my medical certificate, Senator. Uh, just on that front, uh, news overnight our time. Randall Stevenson, who was a member of the PGA Tour Policy Board, has officially tendered his resignation, uh, citing his, I suppose, his conscious opposition to the deal with the public investment fund of Saudi Arabia. Uh, I think, uh, again, I'm paraphrasing the the resignation letter that I saw extracts of today, but said in light of the findings, specifically into the investigation of Jamal Khashoggi's death. There you go. Uh, of course, the, the Washington Post journalist who was, as we now know, assassinated by his own government, uh, he specifically cited that and said, I, you know, I have conscious objections to doing a deal with Saudi Arabia. People will say it's not material because he was, I believe, a non-voting member of that board um, and certainly not, you know, like a Jimmy Dunn, you know, in terms of 
influential in terms of the deal that brought them to the table. But I still think, like, it's a member of the policy board who's, who's resigned on conscious grounds. So there's so much to come in that space. And, and, and as we've said from the outset, like, a lot will become more apparent, I think, through the Senate hearings, albeit not a lot of people are fronting, as I said uh Jay's not fronting. Um, Yasir Al-Ramayan's also not fronting from the PIF, um, but Jimmy Dunn, I believe, is. So it'd be fascinating to hear the ins and outs of kind of the, the lead up to the deal being done and what it looks mm. like moving forward. But yeah, so much water to go under the bridge, Drew, because if this doesn't, for whatever reason, pass muster from an antitrust perspective um, and get signed off by the US government, it, it could seriously be the Wild West out there. So mm, who knows? We will it, we will not pass more comment on it, I don't think, until such time as there's clarity. But yeah, this it's it's a watch this space certainly because there's lots to play out. There is. The only other one for me, uh, if you didn't listen to the state of origin episode, please go back <laughs> and listen to it. Uh there was a fair bit of discussion yeah. on social media. If you'd like to see Marshy defend why he didn't pick Greg Norman in his uh state of origin team for Queensland, you can go back and listen to it. And that's all the teaser that I'm gonna give you. You can go back and listen to it. It's been very well supported thus far, uh, but if you didn't get a chance to listen to it, essentially we picked a four ball from each state, uh, dead, alive, current, former, male, players, female. male, female, whatever it was, you could pick. Sometimes uh, you, you didn't even have to be players. born in the state. You sometimes were selected you didn't even have to. Sometimes you didn't even have to be born in the country, Marshy, to be selected um, <laughs> in the case of Marshy picking Peter Senior. So go back and have a listen. It was a great episode, a lot of fun to record. But uh, yeah, that'll that'll do me for... For this week, KM. And as always, I'll just say we appreciate the feedback and the engagement at 19th T Podcast. Uh, good, bad, or indifferent, we always love your comments. And I've had a few, well, I suppose good or bad, depending on how you view it, but I've had a few this week of people somewhat critical of my selections. Uh, plenty to come down the pipeline. Uh, Drew's, you had a great chat with the one and only Ron Chopper, mm-hmm. which I'm very much looking forward to hearing, not least of which the section of that part where he dissects your swing. Yes. Uh, so that, that'll be good. Uh, it'll be great to have her on Chopper on. And we're going to try something different. Not entirely certain when this will come out, but uh, literally by virtue of the fun that we had in researching for our teams for the State of Origin, we've decided to give something new a try. It's going to be a Who Am I? So it'll be a short uh, episode. If successful, we'll keep them as standalone kind of, you know, 10 to 15 minute episodes. Uh, and one of us each week will will bring uh, who am I to the other person, and it'll be on that other person to try and nominate or guess said golfer. Um, and we'll look. I think like it'll be a bit of fun. Balls. We will look. Yeah, like I, balls, no doubt. I think it'll be a fun. So I've taken the first one. I'm yeah. I'm. Your guessing is essentially yes. the uh, the the crux of that. So that'll be coming sometime soon. Keep an ear out for that. Pleasure as always, Drew. So thank you for your company, uh, and and look forward to being back in your ears soon. 